Welcome to Podtification, the show where three pastors sit around displaying their sharp wit and their occasionally sharp theology. We hope you enjoy. Now let's get on to the show. All right. Well, welcome back to Podtification. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. We're on the Big Ten, Episode 10. We made it to double digits. Brent, are you proud of yourself? I just can't keep up because I was really going to say nine. I really, no kidding, no kidding. I had the same problem last week. I thought it was nine, but I think I, I'm just behind. It's a Groundhog so episode for a brand. Ten. Yeah, ten, so that's I was it. About, I was about to do that. and so well, I'm glad you didn't. I mean, I think this is probably just our last one because after we're done here, I mean, we can't really catch When do anymore. you decide to stop? <laughs> when Jesus comes back? That's right. Yeah. Could be any moment. Could, I mean, check your watches. Yeah. Chelsea, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Here we have uh, Chelsea. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself, Chelsea. Sure. Well, thanks for letting me chat with you two tonight. Um, Chelsea Lovis, married to Jonathan, and we have Zoe and Sam. Zoe's five, Sam's almost three. We live in Williston. I grew up in Essex before moving away from Vermont and grew up in the same neighborhood that Brent currently lives in. Mm. Um, I went to all over New York and Texas and eventually back to the Northeast when we got married. So we were in Massachusetts and a couple of years ago moved back here right after Jesse moved back. Jesse so you, back. yeah, yeah. I create that kind of gravity. Like, wow, uh, Jesse Mark, have you heard of him? We gotta go. We gotta get back to Vermont. Yeah. So when you were in Texas, did you notice, like, what, what would have been the one big cultural change between New England and uh, Texas that you would just, just spring to your mind immediately? Immediately, I think of seasons and, oh, okay. and, and how that changes the culture. Mm. It just, and that things change here. And that was hard for me when everything just stayed the same and maybe a couple leaves fell here and there and it got, you know, yeah, what do I do with my bogs? I don't even know what to do with my yeah, bogs. Yeah, I don't. We're in mid season. I don't have like a winter bin, a summer bin. That, that was weird. <laughs> it was weird for me to be more cold in the summer in Texas than in the winter because the air conditioning is so Cranked. cold, you know? So yeah. you go from air conditioning to air conditioning. You go outside just to get like a moment relief of some heat <laughs> and you freeze again. But yeah, I didn't. That was, that was a big change. Something I missed pretty quickly was like there's no snow for Christmas. There's. Mm. It was enjoyable sometimes to think about how I didn't have to shovel snow or be freezing, but uh, yeah, the, there was just no progression in the year. Yeah, yeah, hard to hard to mark time or movement through the year without seasons. Brett would be completely sunk; he can't even count to ten. Um, and without the seasons, man, I don't know what he would do. <laughs> well, well, welcome, Chelsea. It's good to have you, and thank you for joining us. Um, uh, been really yeah i've been really enjoying this chance to have um guests on the podcast and um and that's been really fun and we were really looking forward to having you um step in here so thank you for agreeing to do that um again having to do it over over zoom which uh, which is kind of bizarre um but kind of grateful still to be able to see you guys and be able to record this in this way so that's kind of cool I'm just missing the graphic to you right now oh yeah okay um so uh so also, for those of you uh, who are still listening, despite the last few seconds of riveting conversation, um, thank you for being here. And we always love having you guys join us. Um, this this podcast, I was talking with Chelsea about this a little bit. We kind of, Brent and Sean and I kind of, we 
embarked on this idea because we oftentimes, the three of us will have conversations about, oh, just about really about anything, but typically it revolves around uh, spirituality and, and issues of faith or church community. And we really enjoy those conversations. And especially in this time when we feel like um, interaction and conversations are at such a low point, it doesn't happen very frequently. We thought this might be kind of a fun thing to share, um, you know, with uh, Brent's mom, who is a faithful listener, I think. <laughs> um, and and just, yeah, that's one. Yep. And it's worth it. Um, but just for those in our community, we thought, you know, we enjoy these conversations and we thought some people might enjoy them as well. So thank you so much for joining us. And we really appreciate you um, spending the next few minutes with us as we kind of go through some issues um, and some questions. So we have an article to discuss, but, but the first thing is um, as we just um, have become kind of used to bringing this up, Brent's probably least favorite part of our time together. Um, but I think it's a really good, I, I love, I love this question because, you know, especially Brent, you and I work together and oftentimes our conversations revolve around uh, serving at church and kind of what's going on at work and stuff like that. And I feel like sometimes we don't get to talk about just kind of what's going on in our personal lives. And so the first question is just what's, what's big in your life and what's going on, what's happening that is kind of consuming your attention or, or your focus. And it could be positive or negative. Um, but Chelsea, since you're our guest, could I ask could I ask that you would go first? What's going on in your life that you'd like to talk about? That I'd like to talk about? Um, <laughs> what's going on in my life? Well, probably our biggest time consumption right now is just our home renovation. Mm. Uh, never ending. Um, in for better or for worse, we're changing a lot of things and have a lot of things to do all at one time, which can get stressful, but it's rewarding on the other side. Right now, I'm doing the riveting job of fixing our driveway and pulling out poorly done ceiling practices and putting cold patch in. And um, yeah, it's real fun. How'd you learn to do that? You're you're patching the driveway? Is that what you said? Yeah, we have like two inch cracks that they tried to fill with just like crack filler, which doesn't ever work. You have to like tamper in cold patch, I guess, and then seal your driveway. Anyways, in order to prevent needing a new driveway one day, we thought yeah. we should do it the right way. So the kids are out there like helping me pull it out today. And yeah, it was, it's not, I wouldn't say fun, but it's part of a home ownership. I suppose we just have a lot of things we're doing inside and outside right now. Um, home renovation. That's a big thing. I, I do feel like you know, Chelsea, you and I have known each other for, I don't know, a year and a half now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like you have been doing home renovation to some degree or another, basically since I've known you. Yeah. I feel like every, yeah we we tent, we bought a house that needed some help that we didn't know about so mm-hmm. it needed a substantial amount of help and in order to afford it and like the work that you know we tend to prefer to do it ourselves and uh saves us money but also saves us a lot of contractor headache so yeah do you, you and say, jonathan oh. i'm sorry i was gonna just can i ask a question please so, yeah go ahead do you and jonathan work well together <laughs> We do. Okay. Uh, yeah, we do. We have a lot of the same preferences. I, I think where we can clash is like expectations of where we put our time. And okay. he, he knows the steps better than I do. So I kind of jump ahead and um, he patiently will like reel me back. But some, most days we're very fine. But there have been a couple of days where we will, you know, we'll work in silence for a while until we can figure out why we're frustrated. <laughs> but. <laughs> Work, work yeah, generally we work really well together that's that's 
That's good. Because mm-hmm. Jesse, you and Zoe can work. You guys do. Yeah, you know, I was actually together. I was going to ask the same question, Brett. Essentially, it was kind of like, how do you guys work together as a couple? Because I feel like you know, when you when you um, are kind of getting ready to get married to somebody, and you're kind of you know working through that level of relationship, I feel like home renovation did not enter into my mind. Like, what will this person be like to? you know, to, you know, tear apart our attic with or something, you know, I just didn't even think about that. Note um, to self, a new premarital. A new premarital. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Why don't you guys try to try to build a tree house and we'll see how that goes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it, it, it was something we didn't really talk about, but Zoe, Zoe and I, we do project a lot together. I feel like on probably three quarters of the time, it's really healthy. There's one quarter of the time when it's really not, it's not healthy, but it's not really what you think you'd think. It's more that one of us needs to be excited about a project and the other one needs not to be excited about it. Um, because if we're both excited about it, we both will work so hard on that thing that like everything else goes out the window, <laughs> you know, and, like before yes. you know it, we're just ordering ordering yeah, pizza for the kids, yeah. like just go watch another movie, guys. We're gonna work on this, you know, and like just you know, you guys just take care of yourselves. You can stay up till midnight, whatever. You know, we're gonna finish this project. It's like we're just, you know, when we're both excited about something, we're just so it's so easy for us just to get laser locked on that and just be working on it so hard. Um, which is fun, but um maybe it'd be better to kind of <laughs> dial it back a little bit, you know. It's, it's way better when one of us is like really excited and the other one's like, yeah, okay, we can do it, but maybe we'd let's slow down and, you know, see our kids once a week or something, you know, in between. So, but, but we love doing, I love doing home projects, but you guys, Chelsea, you guys have really been working on it for a long time. Um, Certain things are fun, you know, yeah. but there was at one point I hit my, my bottom, like rock bottom was, um, because we put these 24-inch bats of mineral insulation up in the ceiling. And so I can do that, but, like, it takes a lot of weird balancing, and we don't have things are not perfectly measured in our house. And What? <laughs> so, like, it's hot. You have insulation falling on you. You're, yeah. like, putting over your head. Jonathan's doing – he was working on something, I, you know, something else. And so now I go back to that day and think, well, you know what? I might be putting in wood flooring. I might be painting trim, but I'm not insulating. Yeah. Great. <laughs> isn't it, isn't, wouldn't it be terrible to be that job that everybody compares other jobs to, right? <laughs> um, well, I'll go next, Brent. I'll, let, I'll give you a few more minutes to, to think about your answer. The thing that's been uh, big in my life this week, um, it's actually kind of in a, like, I don't mean to complain, but it's been kind of like a thorn in my side, um, for more than a week, but really I feel like, uh, like just this last weekend, I kind of just reached my tipping point is technology. I'm like, I'm so tired of working on technology and, um, of like almost any variety. Um, Brent and I work at a church, uh, a church Chelsea belongs to. And this, our church, just like any other church has been doing a lot of stuff online, a lot of kind of digital stuff that we, you know, you know, six months ago, we weren't even thinking about, um, and, and in a lot of ways, that's been really good. It's, it's been good to kind of get, get stuff out there, but it's been such a headache trying to navigate like all the different um, hardware and software requirements for all these different things. And then, you know, this coming or this last Sunday, we're getting ready to start church service and like everything that had been set up that week, just kind of like 
it just like kind of domino effect one thing failed and then the next thing failed and they, they were all just kind of snowballing down and as time is ticking down to 10 30 when church is supposed to start and like everything just stopped working and and so me and uh, ryan were back there like trying unplugging stuff and plugging stuff back into the computer and trying to figure out how it was all <laughs> how it's all gonna work um and i was just thinking i was like i'm so done working on computers you know i'm, I'm tired of this i'm not enjoying it anymore um and so and so here I am the next day sitting in front of my computer and having a conversation with you lovely people. It's just like, I'm just done with technology. I want to go outside and, and yeah, spend some time with people and, and just uh, be done working on, on videos and projectors and cameras and televisions and stuff. It just seems like it's a lot of technology and I'm, I'm, I'm just about ready to go back to smoke signals, guys. Honestly. I was wondering if you could take a vacation among the Amish or something. Yeah, I think that might be. <laughs> that sounds fun actually this, I, mean, yeah, I know I've thought about that this will be the year to be Amish it's just like okay 2020 I'm going to try it for a year do you think they even know that's a, that's a good point that, and that, that is my point that is yeah, exactly. this is the year to do it yeah <laughs> uh, maybe we won't go too <laughs> but yeah maybe out of all the years this would have been the year um, all right Brent what about you, my man? I'm I'm becoming Amish. That's, I mean, that's my, my big thing. <laughs> that's my big thing. And so it affects my whole family, and they don't know yet. They don't know so, yet. <laughs> so, um, uh, no. So, I, I guess the reason I don't like this question is the word "big." If you could rephrase it, because when I I don't know, I just I wanted I can't ever think of something big. So my daughter Caitlin's in town, so she is sort of uh, hey, big. Yeah, that's so. She came back home last night. She's uh, been, she's going to college in the South, and I mean, she's 22 and sort of uh, has acclimated her life to being around her friends and her school. And um, she was planning on coming back, but then the pandemic hit, and you know, the world kind of fell apart. And so she had a chance to stay with friends. And so, uh, but now she's back for a few weeks before school starts. And so, I'm very excited that she's home. That's great. I, I love the way you have described Caitlin to me ever since I met you. And I think this is true that she is like, is like, like the even keel, like the glue that kind of holds your family on, on kind yeah. of a, like an even keel. And, yeah, yeah. and when I met her, I was like, Oh yeah, I get it. <laughs> I can kind of see that. Yeah. Yeah. She's good like that for sure. Yeah. I'm glad she's she back. That's cool. Yeah. Good. Um, well, shall we move on? Let's go. Do you have anything else to say about that? No, I'm still thinking about the Amish. <laughs> What's that? How long is she in town for? Uh, three weeks. Interestingly, she's going her senior year, but her school, which I think is actually a good thing, is starting at the beginning of August and ending at Thanksgiving, before Thanksgiving, week, uh, mm-hmm. the week of Thanksgiving. Um, but no breaks, so that's going to be weird. So we don't see her the whole semester but they get through a lot faster which i think mm-hmm. is actually a good idea in anticipation if we get the second wave third wave the the worst of the first wave or whatever they're predicting nowadays um uh just in case and so, so. no i'm thinking about being amish too I, i'm yeah. uh, sorry where, where, are we, where are we going with that sorry i brought up <laughs> the waves there but uh <laughs> where we're at um i think that the idea of changing like semester schedules to me that like i I get it and it does seem like a good idea 
for, for whatever reason to me, it just doesn't seem fair. Like, like I just don't feel like you can just do that. Why is that? Why, why do I feel that way? I don't know. I just feel like you can't just change like, like school calendars. That doesn't seem right. Yeah, like I mean, there, I, it, there are some it, things that are that are holy, and I feel like school school calendars is one of those well, things in my mind. I guess. I mean, it's bad enough that you can't plan, but then the some plans that you did have are now different, you know. And so, it sure. Is. And then you know, and still they haven't one hundred percent said if all the classes are going to be physical versus online. And so it's just it's just one of those we live in that time where you just really can't plan, you know. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah well if she wants to come you know learn learn some some good uh you know woodworking skills or or you know paving park parking pavement skills she can come to you can move to yeah go just go be Amish move to Pennsylvania there was um, that. We were in Pennsylvania. Jonathan's parents live close to people who are Amish, and we went to check out one of their greenhouses. And I was just ch- chatting with the guy, and it was just one of those conversations. He said, "Where are you from?" Um, and he said, "You know, we're from Vermont." And he said, "Oh, how long does it take to get from Vermont?" <laughs> and I'm thinking, in a car or in how in a horse and buggy, like. <laughs> Am I supposed to answer this? <laughs> well, how, what did you? What did you? Did you ask him about speed? You know, like, well, how fast are you talking? Or what, what no, did you just tell him? I, think I got nervous and yeah, probably ran away. But yeah. <laughs> well, let me ask you a question about the Amish. I I don't know a lot about. My parents had some Amish built furniture, which was really nice. Um, I like the picture I always see is the the horse and buggy cart with the reflective triangle on the back. Have you seen that? Yeah. Yep. You know what I'm they talking about? Like, yeah, his, his parents' house. They like drive by all the time. Mm-hmm. And they have that reflective. That's for that's for because they share the road with cars. Correct. Oh. Yeah. But I felt really like I don't take for granted heat when you are in the cold of winter and they're like in a horse and buggy huddled under this like black mm-hmm. tarp that like breaks the wind and. Yeah. Wow. Oh wow! I didn't think about Maybe that. Maybe you don't want to be Amish, Brent. Yeah. yeah. For the summer, not the year. Oh right. Okay. Amish for the summer. <laughs> <laughs> Just I want to get through one barn raising, and after that, after I raise one barn, that's it. I'm done. That that's all I want to do. <laughs> that might be it. I might be looking itching to get back into projectors and videos after doing that. Yeah. Let's talk about church stories. Uh, I. The three of us um, have have been in church for a large, not the same church, but we have been in church, part of church communities for a large portion of our lives, um, if not if not our entire lives. Not my whole life. I know, Brent, not your whole life. Um, but Chelsea, I think maybe your whole life you've been part of church community. Um, I thought between the three of us, we probably have some good, like maybe any number of good church stories, uh, stories from our time in church community because you know church community involves people and anytime you have a lot of people together there's going to be like awkward or strange or memorable interactions um and i thought maybe it'd be kind of fun just to see do you guys have any good church stories that you'd be interested in sharing um you don't have to name any names if you don't want to um but that you'd be interested in sharing i'm just interested to hear that but the first story that came to my mind when i saw the question was um 
when I was in graduate school seminary and I was involved in a church plant in a sort of multi-housing community, sort of several apartments. And so in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, which as Chelsea knows, are almost like many cities. There's thousands and thousands of people who live there. Hmm. And so we started basically a church, me and another friend, the other friend was the pastor, and um, in their uh, community center uh, that you know would meet there actually on Sundays in the apartment area. And um, but it's very non-traditional and um, to state the obvious, it's not in a church. And I think I've told you this story, Jesse, uh, because Lori, my wife, she came from a very traditional church. She grew up in a very traditional kind of church. And so it was just like a big paradigm shift for her. It's probably a little bit of a struggle at first. Uh, but it, this was how different it was. Uh, I would, you know, was leading the congregation in prayer requests. So we'd have a moment of our church service where we would just open the whole the service up to the whole whoever was there. Um, and it wasn't usually huge crowds, but dozens of people. And, um, you know, anybody have any prayer requests? And there was a lady who was attending who probably only come one other time. Uh, uh, church was obviously new to her. And she says, I have a prayer request. And she says, I would just want, I want everybody to pray for me. I want to quit being such a blankety blank blank. And so obviously I can't use those words. But it was the first time in my church service <laughs> Uh, experience that I'd ever heard sort of blankety blank blank. And so um, I was like, thank you. I mean, it was pretty honest. And uh, so I was like, thank you for sharing that. And so I, I moved on. And so um, I'll just never forget that prayer request. So, so uh, was there like just that, was there that moment of just kind of silence? Like after she said that, like everyone just kind of like uh, well pause. i ro- i rolled with it I, I have to say i did you picked I it up pretty I, fast huh i thought it was a it was it was a good um pastoral move to because i didn't want to make her feel awkward and sure but yeah. you could feel the you could feel the vibe and the gasp a little bit and other folks like you know and so but we moved on and so she actually <laughs> kept she kept attending actually she, so uh um, I did you continue with the open prayer request after that? Uh, <laughs> Shut that down. I don't remember. I may, I may have, uh, I may have, uh, facilitated, facilitated it differently the next time. <laughs> if you, if you were to have to have written that down for like the newsletter or whatever, is that how you would, would you have written, you know, you know, Miss Priscilla or whatever asked to stop being such a, and then I would, would have said blankety blank blank. Blankety blank blank. <laughs> <laughs> or just like a bunch of symbols, you know? <laughs> we could I could have actually said it, we could have bleeped it out at a zoom. You zoom. Yeah. yeah. Right. We've joked blankety. about that actually, just oh, really? like bleeping out random words that people say in this in this podcast just to make it sound like you're saying something you shouldn't. <laughs> I've only been to one church that's done that open prayer time. Mm. Some people yeah. love it. Some people hate it. But you never know what you Yeah, know. Yeah, so. some people are very, um, you know, especially Vermonters probably are very standoffish. Don't get too personal with people. Um, and then there's some people that, you know, are just, it's just too almost overshare sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know? and so, yeah. Have you ever been in one of those where people overshare about somebody else? 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, like, I want to ask you to pray for my husband, you know, that he would just start, uh, you know, that he would have done, that he would do the, the insulation next time we have to do an insulation project <laughs> so I don't have to do it. <laughs> well, Jonathan, bless his heart. Yeah, bless his um, heart. <laughs> is uh, upstairs right now, not doing what I was hoping he was supposed to yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> so please pray for him to be a better husband. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be that way. He is. <laughs> I've done, I've been a part of one of those prayer times where this guy met his, he did marry her, but he had met her like five days prior and went on and on about his undying love for his new Ooh. friend. And just like, they were going to get married. And the, uh, it was just like, Oh, okay. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> <Good> <laughs> worked out. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good you know uh, I'll, I'll move on okay um uh I'll, I'll go next because i feel like mine is pretty kind of dovetails with brent's pretty well um it was uh at a church um that i that i worked at um and they had a sunday sunday school program um and at, at this at this point abby was a little kid in this program and she was back in their class during the church service um and and i go back there um, after the service is over to your, the, all the adults come back, kind of file through this hallway and, um, come up to this door and you have to, you know, sign your kid out and stuff. And I go back there and a friend of mine, uh, another dad is there working as a, uh, he was kind of working as a teacher for the week. And it kind of was like this weird vibe in the room, you know, and, and the kids were kind of no, like acting like normal kids, but you could tell they, there was like a little bit of tension in the volunteers and a couple of the parents, um, just kind of like, just, just something that had happened that was a little bit off. And so, you know, I, I signed out Abby and I asked my friend, I was like, Hey, what's you know, everything. All right. What's going on. And he said, well, we were getting ready to, to finish. Um, and we heard that service was wrapping up and parents were coming to pick up kids. And so we had to stop, um, the craft we were working on. And so, um, we told this little girl, Hey, you know, you need to put your, your crayons away. Cause it's time to stop. And, and he said, and she just let out this enormous string of profanity and threw her crayons down like this little, like probably a three-year-old <laughs> and she shouted it at the top of her lungs and threw these things down. And, and he said, and, and nobody really knew what to do. <laughs> and, 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 um, her dad was this little girl's dad was there and he's like, yeah, she probably learned that from me. <laughs> and I just, I love, I love, first of all, first of all, I thought it was, it was just kind of, you know, none of the kids really even noticed. Right. I mean, she could have just been crying for all they care, but all the parents are like, well, what do we do? You know? And just that, that dad just kind of just saying like, yeah, she learned that from me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just love that. Uh, that was just such a funny, like just transparent moment. Like, yep. Uh, that was that was me like not tv no it was me <laughs> the only thing that had been better be is like i'm sorry she got that from mom, from mom. <laughs> <laughs> i just thought yeah that was such a great just imagine the sweet little like cherub girl mm-hmm. uh, probably no, all the other like, kids are thinking oh. yeah me too <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah anyway i i one of my i love i love that moment just remembering that dad just being like yep she learned that from me. <laughs> that was great. 
Yeah. Uh, so yeah, apparently, so- a lot of profanity uh, in our church stories. Yeah, Chelsea, you have to. You have to. I'm sure you got. I'm sure you got one <laughs> no, <a> profanity story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. There, no, I mean, I know your parents, so. Not- <laughs> <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> it's not, yeah. Well, I had something else in mind, but now I was, I was thinking about um, another story as it pertains to like Christian community norms and. Mm-hmm. So I used to go to a very multicultural church in Texas, like a small one, um, downtown Dallas. It was about 300 people. So it's very small, you know, for Dallas, but it was the music very loud, like gospel music and, uh, service was long. This is where you did open prayer, just Mm. very loud, very like, uh, very friendly, you know, but a little chaotic. And so my, I had a woman I would meet with, Christy, who was a friend and a mentor. And um, so she was one of the elders' wives, and we would go out for breakfast every week. And we were saying, I really just need, like, I need somebody to ground me a little bit before entering into this. And so there was an Anglican church that I could walk to from my apartment. So Christy and I would go to the Anglican church for an hour, and then we'd have, like, a little bit of time to make it to our, like, what we call our home church. And we were really clear with the Anglican church family there like we're just, we're coming here there's no music it was just a completely like it's called their said um service so and you end with communion and so you go through all the liturgy prayers all that stuff so christy wasn't with me this time but i was sitting there and i think i had forgotten to eat breakfast and i have a really poor like sugar level like or a low like a bad constitu- like constitution and mm-hmm. um so I sat there and I felt weird. And then I, then like, I, then I just woke up. Like I had sat, I was, I had passed out and I was by myself. Like it wasn't a very was heavy. Bread preaching? Heavy pot, what, was bread preaching? Yeah. <laughs> I, there, I mean, there was like a good amount of people, probably 50, but not, you know, I had plenty of space around me, people in front of <laughs> behind me. But I had woken up like I was sleep, almost like sleeping. Like it wasn't like I passed out on the floor. Like I just kind of, I think I leaned over in this pew and just completely passed out. And I was, I was down for a while. Like he was approaching the end of the homily and I woke up just kind of like, what, you know, having kind of that shaky feel like I've passed out, you know, multiple mm. times before, but like this was, so I understood what had happened, but I just kind of like groggily got up to like, leave and but the funny thing is no one noticed like no that's what I was the funny thing about the church community because in in this you know congregation it's very solemn Mm. like it wouldn't surprise people that people would fall asleep it like you just don't check on somebody when they kind of lean over and (laughs) pass out and it's just like that wouldn't have happened if in the bigger church, you know, that we went to, that was like loud. And if somebody had, maybe they would be like slain in the spirit if I had something. <laughs> but in this church, it was like, I sure they were just thinking, ah, oh, she's a little tired. Like <laughs> prayers just kind of wiped her out and they didn't it's do it. Yeah, so. She fell asleep in the middle of church again. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so did Bob over there. Yeah. Right, so. <laughs> I just thought it was just like a funny cultural norm and like a maybe a more higher church setting but you but you but you if, if i could say this way you got away with it nobody noticed yeah i walked out and i didn't know one of the priests from seminary and just said hey 
just do a chair I could sit in. And they just passed out and was like, oh, okay. And like, <laughs> he was very helpful, you know, after that. And, um, but yeah, it was, that's normal. Normal mm. behavior. Can I ask just one more? You didn't happen to drool on yourself? Because that would have been the Probably counting. did, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's not pretty when you pass out. <laughs> That's pretty good. I think um, it's it's good to kind of I, just just remember some of those. I guess they could be humorous or just memorable moments in, in church. Um, because yeah, we're, we're living life kind of shoulder to shoulder and that kind of stuff is just bound. It should be, I guess, bound to happen when you live in close proximity to, to a church community, you know, um, life is going to happen. People are going to fall asleep. Uh, probably your kids will say, in fact, I know my kids have said, and will continue to say things, uh, that don't always reflect well on me as a parent. <laughs> my kids are mask shaming people now when we go out to the grocery store. Oh. Like, people will be like, they're not wearing a mask. It's like super loud. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh man. That's good. That's good. Um, I'm still thinking that's a good way to go viral, actually. Yeah. yeah. What do you mean? It's a good way to go. I mean, everybody's uh, everybody's on social media with their mask stories now. So. Just just having your kids wander around downtown mask shaming everybody. Right, right. <laughs> actually, I can totally see Zoe. Well, or the reaction that you might get. <laughs> the one from Jesse's story needs to go around. And... Yeah, just <laughs> cussing them out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's a, she was such a sweet girl, which I think made is what made it kind of such a funny story. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to, to address something, uh, that we talked, uh, with Martha about last week. Uh, we, we covered that Brad Hansen, um, kind of an article, kind of an excerpt from his book. Um, but it was all about anger. Um, or really it was kind of about taking offense and kind of whether or not we, um, I guess have the right to be offended, the right to be angry, according to, to Hanson. Um, and we talked a little bit about that and, and kind of followed his train of thought a little bit, but somebody did email us this week and kind of just ask more, um, I guess, practically, well, what, how do you handle um, anger when you feel it? You know, what's a healthy way of approaching uh, or dealing with anger? I mean, you could say all day long, well, you shouldn't be angry, but I mean, e- even if you do agree with that, it's going to happen. Um, and then how do you deal with that? What do you do? with that when it happens. And I think that's a good question. I think just on a practical level, that's kind of a helpful thing. And I think we did talk about that a little bit last week, but I'd like to kind of hear a little bit more um, or talk just briefly about some, some of the practical ways that we um, deal with anger um, ways that we think maybe are, are biblical or just helpful. Um, And I thought we could spend just a few moments on that. Chelsea, I know you weren't really part of that conversation, um, but hope, but, I think probably you, you have some have enough anger to work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but you're an angry person. You're an yes. angry person. And I thought naturally you'd probably have some ways of coping with it, or if not, you could at least learn something from us here. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm just curious, you know, is there, is there anything, uh, Brent that immediately comes to mind when you think about, you know, okay, so you, you are angry. What are some ways that you handle that? What are some ways that you cope with that? Yeah. I mean, I, I, the, the scripture that I think of, it depends on on the. I guess the bottom line is I would recommend talking with someone. You mm. know, in the abundance of counselors, the Bible says there's wisdom 
Um, I think of anger many times, and the article alluded to this, uh, becomes sort of, it goes from a righteous anger to uh, uh, the anger of humans that many times is, is sinful and unrighteous. And I was just thinking, the other verse that I thought of, it, the, you know, James said, if we confess our sins one to another, we will be healed. Mm-hmm. Not we will be forgiven. In other words, there's aspects of confessing our sins to someone not to get forgiven. That's to confess to God to be forgiven. But I, I think we've, as Christians, we've experienced uh, where we've been angered or hurt or just in a bad situation. And we're just, or even maybe even a, in a temptation or a besetting sin or whatever, those settings as well. But I think in anger, um, which might be a besetting sin for someone, and we just talk it through with someone, I find that God uses that conversation to, to help us to change that, to have a perspective we didn't have before, and many times to take it away, to, to, to heal us from that. So that, that would be the one piece of advice that I think of talking with another believer, a godly, godly believer about it. So. I think one of the things I, I would agree with you, first of all, I, I, that was one of the points that I had in my mind was that you don't let it fester. You don't let it stay. And we talked about that a little bit last week. I know Martha, I think I don't want to misquote her, but she was saying when you let anger kind of um, take root, you know, it can turn into bitterness. Um, and I think that's, that's true. You can't let it, you can't let it stay, which is biblical. And I think we talked about that um, from that passage that Paul wrote. I think the other thing it, that I've, that I've oftentimes felt for me personally, which is really helpful is, is you need to deal with it, but oftentimes it's best not to deal with it immediately. <laughs> um, because when you're acting from just kind of that knee jerk place of anger, um, oftentimes we make things worse. Um, oftentimes where you, we, um, escalate things rather than trying to deal with them, I think, mature, maturely. So I had kind of these two bullet points in my mind as I thought about this. It's like, don't let it, don't let it settle, settle, obviously, but you also don't always want to deal with it immediately. <laughs> um, you don't always want to just act right out on that, on, off from that anger. You know, I think the, the, the idea is to deal with the anger, but not act from the anger. And I think that takes a little bit of time, just separation from that moment, uh, for many of us. And, um, I know I've had to do that a couple of times where I just say like, I need to, I need a minute. Otherwise I'm going to, you know, I'm going to act from anger and I don't want to do that. Um, halt. have you, that acronym halt, have you heard of that before? Spell, um, spell it out for us. H A A L T. Um, if you're hungry, that actually angry. makes me angry right there. So <laughs> talk it out. Hungry, angry, anxious, lonely, or tired, halt your response. Yeah. yeah. There, there you go. <laughs> All I have to do is remember a misspelled acronym. All right. Uh, I, I added the A. It used to be hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, but I added anxious. Because anxious. That's when, that's when I – funny story. I, I told someone <laughs> that acronym the other day, and uh, he was about to send an email – and I'm like, halt. And it, this was in a professional setting. He's like, what? I was like, so I told him my acronym. He's like, yeah, that's pretty good. So he, so he halted. And then he sent the email later and he, he, uh, he CC'd it to me. And, uh, and uh, it was really well done, a well done email. But the person never responded to him even after he halted. So it didn't work. So didn't matter. <laughs> Still good advice. <laughs> Um, I think I, I would just say like my, my final thing, um, 
Um, when I was, when I was in seminary, I oftentimes would be struggling with something from a class or something, um, from, from like an interaction or discussion I'd have with a professor. I'd just be kind of wandering a little bit in my faith and kind of a Christian mentor of mine. Um, I'd be kind of spinning out of control and just kind of obsessing over like a theology or philosophy or doctrine or something like that. And just really bothered by it. And, um, and he would say, well, you know, tie this around back to Jesus and, and, and where, where is Jesus in this situation and where does his truth kind of ring out? Um, and for whatever reason, thinking about that, especially in my own emotions and the way that I relate to people has been really helpful as well. So when I think about how, you know, maybe I'm getting angry or frustrated with somebody, um, and I think, well, where, you know, where is Jesus leading me in this situation? Where, where would Jesus be guiding me? Um, and, and finding kind of that redeeming nature and the relationship with whoever it is that I'm getting angry with or over or whatever. Um, that's been really helpful for me. Um, helpful in studying scripture. <laughs> um, oftentimes when I come to a scripture and I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. I'm really frustrated about this, whatever, allowing that kind of Christocentric that where, where is Jesus kind of coming through here? Um, that's been helpful in studying scripture, but also helpful in me just processing relationships and, and emotions like that. So um, I think that would, those were the kind of things that I thought of when I thought, okay, how do you process anger? At least I hope in a healthy way. Um, Chelsea, did you have, did you uh, have something too? I don't want to dominate that. No, I mean, I thought a little bit about what both of you have talked about with talking, like processing it with somebody, but also, maybe chilling out for a few minutes beforehand. And somebody, I was on a walk with a friend who's older than me and much wiser than me. And she mentioned how like often we need to bring our thoughts, anger or whatnot before the Lord, before we bring it to somebody else, because we could be asking that person to fall into whatever simple like we might be dealing. I don't know. Like, whether that is this anger towards somebody, then you might be asking them to be, to enter into that anger towards that person oh, yeah. with you. So if it's really just venting, you should just bring it to the Lord before you talk to somebody, which is easier said than done. But I don't know if that's just a quick, a quick prayer or something that's just like you said, Jesse, what's the bigger picture before I, you know, unload this anger on somebody or like help me step back from that and ask if I'm like asking of them too much um, or mm. if I'm really wanting to process it and receive their feedback. Um, and then yeah, that's, a, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, the, I, that to me is the hardest to do with my spouse, right? Like you just, you say so many things all day long, but I do have to be careful and it's a good reminder to be careful before I, you know, express my frustration over something. Have I really thought about it? Have I prayed, you know, about it before asking Jonathan to like commiserate with me or something. Um, and then the giving time has been something I really have thought about, um, in the last few months with not with anger, but I think it could apply to anger. Um, it's this idea of like a compartment basically. And I'm not somebody who can compartmentalize anger very well. I remember like being in a daybreak service, being super angry about something that was happening to my friend and Jesse walked out into the hallway and I was like, ah! and I was like, okay, I'll pray for you. You know, I was like, okay. I just have a really hard time transitioning, you know, into like, okay, no, I can like put that somewhere and get back to it. And it doesn't have to completely overwhelm me. 
but I, and I used to kind of see that as something that you shouldn't do, right. You shouldn't compartmentalize. You shouldn't. And I think that's different than stuffing it. Right. Like it's always, it's almost like put it somewhere. So visually I think of almost like a memo desk where I'm like, okay, this is really frustrating. It's going to eat me alive. Like I should just kind of mentally write it down, put it somewhere where I can come back to it, but it's not going to dictate, you know, the other things that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's helpful with anger. It's like, I'm angry about something. It shouldn't impact how I'm parenting my kids, you know, and inevitably it will in some capacity, but if I can just say, you know, I'm really, really angry about this. I'm going to like compartmentalize it for a bit to step away from it and give me some distance and I'll come back to it. But I mean, the important part is coming back to it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Healthy. You have, you have to deal with it. Yeah, healthy. healthy. <laughs> no, no, I like that term. Yeah. Healthy compartmentalizing. Well, it's like putting it in a place where it can stay right. until you're right. ready to deal with it. Until you're ready to deal with it. Right. And then I think, yeah, and that, and then, then I think you get to the real meat of it is, okay, so when you're ready to deal with it, then, then the question is, you know, how? And I think that's where, that's where actually I think really faith for us would enter into the discussion, Right. Because anybody, to, yeah, faith, a believer or non-believer could have this idea of compartmentalizing anger and saying, you know, that's that's just kind of uh, psychological, you know. But I think at the point where we come to dealing with dealing with the anger, when you've kind of taken that step back and when you've kind of, you know, let let the let the tensions kind of cool or whatever, and you're ready to deal with when you have that space, that's when I think for the three of us that we would say that that's when our faith really comes into it. Um, because, uh, so, so often, in fact, I would say every time, <laughs> uh, like yeah. you were saying, Chelsea, we have to bring this to the Lord. We have to bring this anger to God, um, and either, either admit it or, or lay it at his feet and, and, and let go of it, um, or, or seek his help in how to deal with it. Um, uh, remember who we are in him and who this person is in him and allow that change of perspective to, to maybe, um, um, cool some of that anger. But I think really when it, when it comes to, when it comes to dealing with anger, really that's when you have to bring that to the Lord. Um, and you have to be ready to do that. You have to be ready to sacrifice it, I think. And that's why, that's why you have to be ready. Well, to Um, Chelsea's point, it's not just venting at that point. Yeah, absolutely. And then I was thinking, to your point, the word confess means to say the same thing as. The Mm -hmm. actual Greek word, confess. So you're saying the same thing as God says about it. So you're not venting. You're getting to the point where you're seeing it as God does kind of thing. So. Yeah, that's good. Well, I, I, I think that's, I think that that's covered. Actually, I, I, I learned a little bit. I think I, I like that idea of, of, first of all, I love the way you put that Brent confessing. I think that really puts a bow on it, but the idea of co- kind of compartmentalizing it, Chelsea, I think that's really good. And just saying like, okay, I know I'm going to deal with this, um, but I need to take a moment until I find the right time. You know, I think that's really important. Um, yeah. no, good. Quick. I'm in sure. A- so, uh, the last thing I thought we should do is, is talk together about this article um, I found, and maybe it's because I'm so frustrated with technology that I thought we would discuss this article. Um, but, you know, typically the, when we get together for, for podcasts, we, we get together and we talk a little bit about, you know, just kind of what's going on in our lives, what's big in our lives. Um, and, uh, 
we talk, you know, stories and fun stuff like that. But one of the things we really like to do is do together and talk about, about faith journey, about church culture, about, um, about theology. That's, those are, those are things that are, that, that the three of us actually right here are all interested. And we've had some good conversations about those things together, all three of us. Um, and so I'm excited to do that here. Um, our discussion today is kind of based on this article by, um, a guy named David Kakish, um, uh, he writes for the Gospel Coalition, um, and he wrote this article entitled "Physical Presence is a Spiritual Gift." Um, I'm interested to hear your guys' thoughts about this article. I am wondering if, if self, self, subconsciously, I chose this article because I'm so done, like I said, done with Zoom meetings and technology and stuff, um, and so I'm just I'm ready to kind of uh, subconsciously. Um, I have this kind of affirmation, (laughs) Um, but I guess we'll find out. Um, I won't, again, as usual, I won't read all of the article, but I'll read some of the kind of, at least in my mind, kind of salient points, and we'll have a link to the article available in the description. You can read it um, whenever you have the time. Um, But I'll just read a little bit here, and you guys can kind of follow along. And I have a couple um, points I wanted to draw out from what he says. Um, I'll be interested to hear what you guys have to say about that, too. So we'll start here. uh, Quote, uh, Paul reminds the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 16 of his ministry among them. In verse 8, he tells the church that they were tells the church they were affectionately desirous of you. Translated differently, they longed for them. He goes on to say, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. In verse 17, Paul laments being torn away from the Thessalonians and tells them he has, had, he has a great desire to see you face to face. So uh, Kakish is, is getting at this idea of, uh, from, I should say, Paul's uh, letter um, in uh, 1 Thessalonians. He's also kind of referencing Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Um, this idea hey, you, that, Did you say the name of the, the title of the article? I did. Physical presence is a spiritual gift. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm kind of jumping a little bit down into down to the bottom of what he's saying here, but I think this is kind of the crux of this this section. Um, he's he's talking a little bit through this passage in First Thessalonians chapter two, where Paul rest, reminds the Thessalonians of, of his ministry and says that he's kind of de- desiring um, um, to be present with them, desiring to be in the same place as them. He laments being torn away from them, um, and in chapter two, verse seventeen. He kind of goes over that, Kakish does, and says, uh, this, he writes, is the key to understanding what Paul means by a spiritual gift in Romans 1.11. And so I'll read Romans 1.11 here, and then we'll kind of tie it all together, I hope. Romans 1.11, 1 through, I'm sorry, Romans 1.11 through 12. For I long to see you, Paul writes, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Kakish's point here by referencing 1 Thessalonians that we talked about at the beginning and then Romans 1, 11 and 12 here um, is that physical presence is the spiritual gift that Paul's talking about in Romans. Um, I think, first of all, without even getting kind of his point, I think what he does here is really interesting. I'm kind of curious about what you guys think about it, um, where he's kind of using some of Paul's writing to illuminate other of Paul's writing. So he's using 1 Thessalonians to kind of translate Romans chapter one. Um, 
again, I'm not really going to say much about the conclusion right now, but I'm kind of, what are some, like in your opinions, um, some advantages, maybe dangers of doing this in scripture? I think it's just kind of an interesting thing just to acknowledge he's doing. Oftentimes we say, we you know, we allow scripture to interpret itself. Um, uh, but Paul's letters here, Romans, First Thessalonians to very different people in very different places, kind of about different topics. I'm just curious what you think about kind of what are some of the benefits, what are some of the pitfalls of, of interpreting scripture this way? Well, I actually thought of a verse to use Paul's a use of Paul to interpret Paul with another verse from Paul <laughs> that says to rightly divide the word of truth. And so Paul said that. So um, I, I, I think it's actually a good idea. But to your point, you don't want to you don't want to take it out of context. Is mm-hmm. I think what you're saying. You know, these are two different situations and two different. Uh, two different, you know, and I think the proper way to interpret scripture is what was the original intention. Um, and so, uh, but I think it's good to use other scripture to try to interpret scripture. I think that's good in that sense. At least he's using Paul to interpret Paul, you know, <laughs> yeah. Peter, yeah. explain. Exactly. Um, I mean, in this one, I don't think I have an issue with it because I feel like what he's writing about is kind of like com- is kind of common sense and so I think he's just showing examples of how that works out in Paul's life in maybe a different context but I don't think it's because what he's writing in Romans it's not like his topic is on justification or you know something that's a little heady like to me it's a pretty simple or common you know common sense that he desires to be with people and I'm not so I think it's okay to maybe use examples from. So I would I would suggest I think maybe it's it's I well, first of all I agree with you I think it's a good practice I, just in my opinion it's a good practice to use scripture to kind of um, cast a mirror or a light on other scripture and allow it to uh, kind of come to a truth there. Um, but I think maybe Chelsea it's common sense and I would suggest maybe it's common sense to you because you do know um, a lot of the narrative of scripture. And you know that the point he's trying to make is actually pretty present in scripture anyway. Um, to me, what's really, really important when you use scripture to interpret scripture this way is that you know scripture. Because <laughs> um, if you just do a search for spiritual gift and then just allow all those verses to interpret each other, you can get into a lot of trouble. Oh, sure. Um, but if you're able to say, okay, I understand kind of where Paul's coming from when he writes the Romans, I kind of understand where he's going, where he writes the to the church in Thessalonica and I can understand how these verses are okay to put together. Um, then I think it's appropriate. I think it's, it's wise, but I think you do actually have to um, do your diligence um, just because two words or ideas are in the same Bible. doesn't mean that the verses that include them are, are necessarily trying to say the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you do have to, you do have to have a, a knowledge of scripture in order to do this. Um, which is not trying to be kind of a, uh, like an arrogant or like a, like you need to do the studying kind of thing, um, or that only certain people should be able to do this. But I think just any, any Bible believing Christian should be doing this. You know, we should all be kind of students of this book together. Um, and I do think this is the right way to study it, but we do have to, it does it's not an excuse or it's not a, not a reason not to study the book in its entirety as opposed to bringing up words. Does that make well, sense? What? 
What did the, I? I should know this, but what what is the verse about the Bereans? Uh, they, you know, Paul preached there, and then the Bereans went and what did they do? Yeah, this is Sean's favorite verse. Um, but where's Sean? Yeah, but Chelsea, I'm sorry, you you you're well, you're Sean, the stand-in so. for Sean, so you know should you should know this verse, Chelsea. <laughs> Uh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, where they searched the scripture and and um, tested what they were hearing. Absolutely, I think that's what he said. They searched the scripture. Searched the scripture. Yeah, searched the scriptures, and so yeah. So yeah, yeah. but yeah. Sorry, go ahead. We're just a good idea. We were talking about this in a Bible study on Sunday that it, like, if you can read a book and just come up with a statement for what that book is about, like, it will help make those connections. And so if you know what Thessalonians is about and you know what Romans is about, you're a lot safer to make those connections than if you don't know what the book, the book is about in its entirety. Yeah. So let's, let's get to, sorry. If you're writing, you know, and teaching, especially true. um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I actually think maybe he, he kind of securitously gets to a point that's kind of easier made with the final thing that he writes about. I don't know that he really needs to kind of go through these, kind of acrobatics through Paul's writings to get to the point that he's trying to make. Um, but regardless, we'll, we'll follow along and, and see where he goes. Um, so again, he's referencing uh, Romans 1, 11 through 12, which I'll read again, just so we kind of have it in our minds. This is Romans 1, 11 through 12. For I long to see you, Paul writes to the Romans, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we, we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. And then to continue from Kakish's article, the reason Paul doesn't specify the gift and why it cannot be received apart from his personal visit is because Paul himself is the gift. He longs to be with them in the flesh. He's ambiguous as to the form of the spiritual gift because he doesn't know what they need. As always, he's willing to become all things to all people. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 22. But he needs to be present first to determine how best to serve them. Um, I, I wonder how being physically present with one another helps us serve and live alongside one another. Like when you think about, when you think about what is uniquely available to us if, if we're in community together, if we're, if we're physically present, um, what difference does that make pr- practically? Um, he's saying here that... Paul is unable to accomplish certain things that he thinks he should accomplish without being present. And I'm wondering kind of in your experience as, as you've spent time in church, um, what, what difference does it make being physically present with people? And do you mean, and so this is a question I have that you might get to after being physically present with people. Is that any Christian? Is that a Sunday morning yeah, I think I think maybe I, I'm I'm talking specifically in kind of church community settings. I think we will get to your your point, uh, kind of more broadly speaking. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I think more talking about kind of church community. But you're talking about any situation or a church service, I guess is was your question, right? No, I think I think it's just the idea of being physically present. What does that get us that yeah. doing something like what we're doing right now doesn't? Does that make sense? I mean, why, why, what's so special about being physically present in the same place as one another? Yeah. There, yeah. Um, I, I, first of all, I've got a couple of heretical thoughts about what if it's not physically present? What if there's other interpretations there? And I've got a couple options, but 
I think he's probably right. It's physically present, um, but you can't serve one another. Uh, like practically, you can't take someone's trash out, basically, mm. for lack of a better description. So that that's uh, one way I would say. Uh, you know, you're actually physically serving somebody in some way, um, as well as they're able to say things uh, more intimately and more often when you're physically there versus writing a letter. Mm -hmm. I think also you're, you're in a context and just like we would need a context to study any Bible, you know, a book of the Bible, you always look for the context to rightly understand. Mm. I think you need that context to rightly rightly understand the person you're talking to. I think, I don't know. I think maybe that's, made up in my mind, but I think you need, I need to know, like, I need to see you. I need to interact with you. I need to see your family. I need to see even just the importance of being in somebody's home, kind of where you live, how you interact with people. I, I mean, there's so many times talking almost back on anger where you want to, you have conflict with somebody and it's just like, it, you know, it boils in you and you're so mad at that person. And you're just like, you're in your mind, you're almost not treating them like a human and then you get in front of them. And it's like, all of that just kind of goes either goes away or it becomes confronted mm. because you see the person. And I think mm. you actually are confronted with like the human dignity of people seeing them face to face in a very unique way. than if you're on a screen and you can't escape that when you're face to face, you can't just shut it off. You can't, I can't mute you like I can now if I had, you know, if I had an interruption, I could just turn you off. Like I can't do that in person. You have to be, have to be confronted with your humanity and your context at the same time. I think that's so true. I I love the way you, you, you said that, that like face to face, like presence creates that context, creates a, a truth to that relationship that, well, that's just, frankly, it's unavailable through, through letters but it remains unavailable, I think, through video, like like something like this. Uh, we we three know each other outside of the Zoom meeting, so we're able to kind of create that context between each other anyway. But you know, here I am sitting in in my office with a with a bookcase behind me and this picture and stuff like that. But you have no idea what else is going on in my life, right? Um, I use the illustration in a in a sermon months and months ago where. Walmart was reporting selling a whole bunch of formal like business tops, but there was no corresponding sale of, of pants or, or, or business, you know, bottoms because everybody's in zoom meetings. So they only had to dress up, you know, from the waist up and there was no, no idea what was going on. You know, you didn't have to wear shoes or, or you could just wear shorts or whatever to your zoom meetings. You know, I think being, being in front of a screen like this, we're able to kind of craft, I'm able to craft what I want you to see. Right. And, and I'm able to share just what's in this box. Um, but that's hardly creating context in my life. That's hardly you really knowing what's going on in my life. It's you knowing what I'm letting you see. Um, we're able to do that in community too, but it's, it's much more difficult. You know, we're much more likely to, our kids are going to swear in Sunday school or you are going to fall asleep uh, during a service or something. You know, life is going to be lived when we're, when we're together like that. And we're not able to kind of, kind of curate an image as well. So I think that really does create context in which we're, where we can have real relationship. And then kind of Brent, to get back to your point, when we have real relationship, that's where we're able to help 
take out one another's garbage, right. And help kind of clear up relationships and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's so hard to do when you don't really have context in one another's lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to get into some, some heretical thoughts, Brent, or shall we move on? Uh, yeah, I mean, we, I think he's right. I think he's okay. right. But I mean, there, I mean, what about, what if his gift, what if the gift was a physical miracle? I mean, what if he had, mm. you know, the apostles did have the gift of healing and miracles. So, but to my knowledge, that never happened unless someone was physically there. Uh, with the Good exception point. of, with the exception of Jesus and that one time where he said, go, your daughter's healed. That's the only miracle I know where someone wasn't physically there and Paul wasn't Jesus. So, um, so I thought about that. Paul talks about the gift that was given to Timothy when he laid his hands on him. And so I'm not, I don't even know what that means. Um, but I do wonder if there, you know, so I just thought maybe there's some other options, but I think he's right. But I think he might be like you just miss sick of zoom meetings too. Yeah, so he yeah. might, might be reading into scripture a little bit. Well, I think at 100%, and just because you have several scriptures saying what, then this is kind of draw our first, for our first kind of discussion point, just because you find several scriptures that kind of get you there doesn't necessarily mean you're on really strong doctrinal ground. I do. I agree with you. I think he's right, but I think he could have just kind of skipped down to kind of the last thing he says and just made it instead of an article, made it a paragraph and we would have been good. Um, But we'll, let's continue on. He's a good pastor, though. He found other scripture to justify his... Yeah, yeah. His, right. <laughs> and it's memorable. Um, <laughs> and Marty, exactly. Um, I'll get back... This is the, to get back into him, I'll quote this. I miss the technical difficulties, he writes. The hissing microphones, lagging slides, unpolished announcements. We still have all those, so he could come to daybreak. I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I miss the sight of the greeter extending her hand of hospitality to welcome a guest. I miss the out-of-tune voice behind me belting out, their God is a mighty fortress through the pain of loss. I miss the verbal response that come at the most dramatic points in the sermon. Um, uh, I, I mean, of course I resonate with this, um, just pers- where I'm at personally. I, I, I agree with I totally hear what he's saying. Like I miss not just the, like the quote unquote beautiful parts of community, but also kind of the um, more, I guess, rough around the edges parts. Um, I miss that as well. Um, But I think his point is really good. Like what he brings up reminds me of something when we first were getting ready to live stream our services, whenever that started uh, two months, three months ago, Brent, I don't know if you remember this, um, Chelsea, you don't know this, but we were like, we're like, we we will start this on time. This live stream is going to start at 1030 on the nose. We have to do that. Daybreak, as long as I've been here, and I think as long as it's existed, has never started on time. I mean, we were doing something completely different there because we were doing it online, right? It was like, well, we're, we're streaming, so we got to start right at 1030, right? It's got to start bang. It's going to happen right away. And you know, the reason was, is because at least I think, I think this is subconscious. Maybe you really felt this, Brent. People are, it's so much more apt to just tune it off if it's like a digital thing and it's not going well. You can just turn it off. Say, well, this, you know, the stream isn't working. They're not starting on time. The sound isn't right. You know, whatever. I can just turn this off. If you're in the church service, right, and you're already there and it's five minutes late, you're not, you're not going to leave, right? You're going to wait. Or if the sound's not right, you're probably not going to leave, 
Um, but I just feel like I felt like when there's, when there's not that physical connection where we're not like there in the same space together, people would be much more likely just to say, I'm not, I'm not going to stick around waiting for this. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so I just feel like there's something about that physical presence where people are much more invested in like, well, we're here together. And so we're, we're going to stay here. And, and so uh, unfortunately maybe uh, quality takes a nosedive at that point. <laughs> um, uh, curious because I was thinking about that. I was curious what repercussions have you guys observed personally as a result of like kind of distancing as a church community? What have you guys seen re- repercussions? Yeah, yeah, uh, for our family, just a lack of routine of going to church together. Mm-hmm. And it's just outside of our house. Like it, it's a place that we can go and it's like a special place that's reserved for a Sunday. Um, I think it's, we've missed like the touch points with people, but I think my deepest like sadness has come from those the conversations just in smaller groups of people, whether that's Christian friends or small group um, environment that, that hits on the Hmm. the other aspect of physical, you know, presence of, uh, you know, outside of a Sunday morning has probably been my um, area of biggest difference of just not like he writes so much. he, He hits on in Romans that, the physical presence is for the mutual encouragement of believers Mm. together. So much of Sunday, I think can be felt like you kind of consume it. And so I am encouraged. Right. But there's not that there's not always this like, I mean, there's probably always some level of mutual encouragement, but it's different than the deeper conversations that I can have with a Christian, um, in my home or out to eat somewhere and really getting to know somebody and and their giftings and how that's encouraging me and hopefully how I'm encouraging them. That's the area of physical presence that I'm struggling with the loss of the most. Mm. I definitely miss Sunday morning. Um, but there's, yeah, there's, there's certainly encouragement given, but I feel like, I'm not operating in a mutual encouragement as much as a small, maybe a smaller physical gathering. Yeah. Well, I, I interest, ironically, he had a little bit of a, a different, like thinking about the article and thinking about Chelsea's um, perspective and your perspective, Jesse, it ironically makes me think more about, what I could be doing for people because we don't have a Sunday morning service because Mm -hmm. there's not a lot that I can't do to, to mutually encourage people. You know what I mean? Like, like I can still call people and still zoom people. We can meet in 10 people or less. I can still do a lot of things. So ironically, I was thinking there's a lot of church that can still happen, but even though we don't have a Sunday morning. And again, I was thinking, I think he's just missing Sunday morning when he wrote this article. He's missing getting together on Sunday morning. But a lot of that, a lot of the things that he's taught, a spiritual gift in imparting and to your uh, insight there, Chelsea, about mutual encouragement, a lot of that's not necessarily needed. A Sunday morning isn't necessarily needed. 
um, you know, that's some things that we can do um, in spite of the fact that we can't. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I get I get the point there a little bit. I think um, I would push back against that a little bit because one one of the thoughts that I had uh, about this is that um, we're we and I think church leaders are are maybe the first offenders, but church community does this also. We reduce Sunday mornings essentially to 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 music and sermon, right? And then exactly. maybe there's maybe there's offering in there a little bit, you know, yeah. um, various other pieces. Um, but I think this does start to be fair. I think this does start at church leadership. And I think what you've seen recently is, you know, churches and, and our church included, you know, is, okay, how, how can we broadcast these two elements, which is music and sermon <laughs> and how can we share those things digitally? Um, and to be fair, I think those are obviously, I believe in those things and I believe that they're vital. Um, but we're kind of pouring into this current, of, of already kind of a consumer culture that this is the product of church, which is, which is a message and which is music. Um, and if we offer those products, we can offer them in person. We can also, ironically, those are the things that can also be offered online, right? Yeah. In fact, they've been offered to great um, success on the radio for a long time. Um, and they've been offered on TV and, and, and there's a reason for that, right? That those are, those are the products. And we, I think we can kind of see that, um, both leadership and kind of congregations kind of have started to equate Sunday morning with those products. Um, and we really have to fight against that because Sunday morning is so much more than those things. Um, and I think to, to, to be fair to his point, I think he talks a lot about, you know, you could just kind of see that he, he is kind of talking about that, about the, the interaction, the physical presence being so crucial for that. And that's not really so much about a message. It's not really so much about a, about music. It's more about, those those moments of <clears throat> of pouring into each other's lives um how do you how do you do that a, on a sunday morning i think that changes for every church and some churches do it, are able to accomplish that well and some need to grow in that area but i think we all do, we do need to acknowledge that sunday mornings are not just for teaching and and worship but they're also for this idea of living life together uh I hate to use that phrase. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Um, well, but, I mean, on that note, Dietrich, I, I've never read this book. Have you read Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer? No, I've not. No. I, I mean, I think it probably is a great book, but he has like this really compelling quote that I read from it. Of course, I'm going to take something out of context um, <laughs> and do it. But I mean, but he talks about it being a grace. So that you're given basically, you're not guaranteed to have this physical presence. And mm. if I can, it, it's like a privilege, right? It's, um, it's so easily forgotten that it can be taken away at any point. Um, mm. and I'm trying to think of where I'm jumping off of what you just said, life together, life yeah. together. that like that we're experiencing that that grace has been taken away from us in a moment of time. Um, but I think we have a lot to learn from churches around the world that don't have the same type of large gathering freedom that we have, but that still are able to, in their own way, physically meet. But I think it's it's a like it's viewed as a gift versus this is my right and this is mm. what I have, and it takes that kind of consumer mentality away from it. But I think to your point with when we 
when we kind of train congregations to only view church as music and a sermon, we train people to spectate and we don't train believers into identifying that, that they're called to be mutually encouraging to each other. Yeah. So when you attend church, it's not a question of, well, how good was the sermon? Wow. That singing was really off pitch today. I, you know, they should work on that. Um, I think it should be more centered around like, how can I use the, the message that the pastor gave to help others, you know, or mm. how can I connect with somebody I haven't seen in a while to see, you know, if we can get together. Um, we had this experience in a small group in our former church where we had a lot of really quiet people, and <laughs> which was really hard sometimes for a small group. It was a great group of people, but one of the couples would not talk at all. And it got to the point where Jonathan and I just had a, like a love, loving conversation. They were friends of ours, but of saying like, Hey, we, like, we need you to talk because God needs to use you. Like you're going to be an encouragement to us. You know, you just don't keep it in, you know, and just take, you know, all these words and like, we need to know what you're thinking too, because we need your encouragement. Like we actually need you to participate because that's what I think he's talking about here in Romans that your physical presence isn't just for yourself to consume. It's for you to also mutually encourage. Well said. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think we'll, I think we'll kind of wrap up with our discussion. We're going a little bit long here anyway. Um, so I, we'll kind of fast forward to the end of what he we're pretty much through it, but we'll kind of end with what I think was kind of really, he could have just written this and, and we could have just been done with this. Um, although I think he brought up some good points worth discussion, but I think kind of in my mind, he kind of puts it very clearly here. He says as members of Christ's body, we're charged with physically manifesting his invisible attributes. And then he writes, we serve an incarnational God and he has charged us with an incarnational mission. Um, this word incarnational, what does that mean? Jesus came incarnationally. Yeah. Yeah. Incarnational um, being uh, embodied. Right. So uh, like the idea of Emmanuel is, is, is incarnational is it is God being with us in, in a physical body. Um, being incarnational means living uh, alongside one another means um, what's, what's the phrase you were saying, Chelsea? Uh, Life. Uh, your phrase. What, what, yeah, you what, say, what, you know, what phrase did you like life together? What did you, I don't understand living life together. No, no, no. no I, I want to know what Chelsea was saying. It was uh, not empathizing with one another. It was, um, Oh man, you just said it was brilliant. We'll have to record. Encouraging, encouraging, mutually encouraging. I like that. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's that's what this idea of of um, living alongside one another, mutually encouraging one another. It's not not somebody has a product that you are consuming, but that you're in a kind of a mutually encouraging relationship. And I think that's the idea of of living incarnationally in people's lives. Um, we're doing that because that's the example that Jesus taught. He was very much present in people's lives. Um, and I think we really need to kind of emulate that example. Mm-hmm. Um, seems to me that that's, that's really, we could look for that in Paul's writings, but I think really Jesus kind of embodies that 
Um, and we can just kind of follow that example and, and just know that that's important. <laughs> um, not just writing letters or not just Zoom meetings, but that living life together is really important. It reminds me of the song, the like, taste and see that the Lord is good. Mm. And I think that he uses the church to see that he is good through tasting, seeing, you know, through your embodied experiencing. Experience. Yeah. Yeah. That you, yeah, that for the Christian faith is an embodied faith. You mm. can't separate yourself from it, but perhaps the reason he's given you the church is not so you can only taste and see that the Lord is good, but that you can show other people that the Lord is good too. That's, that's good. I think well that's what about here. And when he talks about being mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine, hmm. like they were teaching Paul something, which seems a little wild, you know, he was top of his class. He was being encouraged by them. And then, they're being, you know, encouraged by him. Mm. Well, I like that. I think we'll end it on that, Chelsea. I, I won't. I won't allow Brent to contaminate that wisdom with his own <laughs> thoughts. We'll leave it. We'll leave it here. Thoughts, Brent, too. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh. So anyway, we will have this this article up, a link to this article up, so you can read it um, on your own time if you'd like to do that. Um, and hopefully um, our conversation about it has, has been interesting and just encouraged you to think about um, why, why um, church community in particular, um, church community lived together matters. Um, I think it's a really good thing for us to keep in our minds, particularly these days. So <clears throat> I'd like to finish um, with, with kind of a final thought. I started doing this last week and I forgot to warn Chelsea about it this week. So I'll, I'll go first and give her a moment to think about it. Um, but one of the things I really wanted to start doing at the end of our podcast was just to kind of share, okay, here's where I saw God this week or where I kind of would like to just share a testimony of where I saw God working or, um, um, or how the Lord kind of showed me something, uh, this week. Um, Brent, do you remember doing that? I'm sorry. I've had you guys muted for a while. What did you just say? <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Um, so, so I'll actually share, I was going to say something nice about Brent, um, honestly, and I, I can't make up something else on the spot or nothing else is coming to my mind. So I still have to do it. Um, <clears throat> I have been listening to myself, uh, uh, preach a lot. Just, I don't listen to myself like again, but just, you know, hearing, hearing sermons as I give them and stuff and, um, listening to listening, Brent, you preached at daybreak yesterday and I was just so grateful for the way that you brought um, in my, for, for my own, in my own kind of um, life, you brought so much kind of light and life from a passage that I wasn't really looking for light and life from. <laughs> um, in Malachi, you brought, you know, you preached what I would consider to be a pretty difficult passage. And I just felt like as you were preaching and I was listening to it, I was like, man, this is the word being preached to me. And it was just such a powerful moment. Um, and I just appreciate, I, I was so grateful for that. Um, and I thought that was really awesome. I think God really used you and used that passage uh, just in my life uh, that morning. So I thought it was a great sermon and I was grateful for it and definitely felt like the Lord um, spoke to me through it yesterday. So that's my testimony. Wow. I feel, I, uh, I, I, I feel bad for all the bad things I say. Well, I, I, your cup I, right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, well, just to, again, to point out, um, that Jesse asked me to speak on 
divorce and tithing in the book of Malachi. And I am speaking again in a few weeks, and I don't know the topic yet. So I'm sure it's going to be sex or something. You yeah. know, that Probably going to be complaining because that's what complaining. I hear from you. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> That makes me feel good because I did crack a couple of jokes and no one laughed at my two jokes. You know what? I have noticed just this little bit of an aside, <laughs> but I have noticed, uh, especially preaching right now when everyone's wearing face masks. Um, Nobody laughs. Well, first of all, I think people do smile, but but you can't you can't see it um, yeah. because I've had a couple of times where I, 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 I not so much laughter, but I was waiting for like people to respond about something, and I looked out and all you see is like is that. And you can't tell what people are doing, you know? Um, So we need, we need like signs people can hold up where they could (laughs) like, like I'm laughing or amen, you know, I think that'd be a good idea. Jonathan's job, he works remotely all the time, any apart from this. And they have these quarterly meetings and they have like a applause track that they'll play. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we need. An applause track. (laughs) What a great idea. Yeah, it is hard. You did it more than I did, and then you you spoke just to nobody, which I only did like once, and that was painful. And then in the drive-in, just I just did announcements, and you're like, you have no idea what anybody you you don't get any immediate feedback when people. Are All you cars. see is windshields. I know yeah. it's just bizarro. So yeah, that wasn't my favorite. Uh, I I enjoyed it, but I I much Thank rather uh, yeah. So, so Brent, what, what about you? Do you have a, a testimony, a way that you saw God kind of speaking to you or just God, the Lord's glory or something this week? Can I make Chelsea go first or do I, do I need to go? <laughs> it doesn't matter to me. I can go, I think. Okay. Um, so I think probably the hardest part of the season for me has been battling uncertainty and guilt which are two things I don't normally deal with as heavily, but it's like uncertainty if I'm doing the right thing or guilt, like I'm not parenting well enough. You know, I'm like, I'm permanently scarring my family. There's just like a lot of, I shouldn't have said that. Um, Uncertainty and guilt. And I think I've learned alongside of that, I'm doing a course on kind of like how to go through a, passage in an expository way, just like your, your seminary kind of basics. And with a couple of daybreak people, um, and this past week was on Nahum and then, and so you outline like passages and, and, but I've really enjoyed that process. Like, I think that's been a gift of the Lord and coronavirus is going through this course unintentionally during a pandemic puts me like really deeply into scripture and it's like, I find so much joy in that in the mornings when I wake up early, that's what I'm doing. And it's like that actual certainty and reading like all these different genres of scripture and seeing how God is sovereign and has purpose and, and Job and Nahum and like the Philippian church, you know, it's just yeah. very comforting when I feel super uncertain. And I realize I'm just like this little blip of history that God has a plan for, and that's okay. And I don't need to figure it out. But those mornings have been very encouraging to be like deeply in scripture in a way that it's not just jumping from passage to passage and make me feel well, but I'm actually like really seeing the stability of the Lord. And that has been very refreshing for my uncertain soul in this time. That's good. Wow. Praise God for that. That's great. 
Well, you know, I, I guess the thing that I've been thinking lots about lately has been more about parenting sort of things, interestingly. Um, and just the the scripture, I wish I could, I, I wish I would have, uh, I forgot Jesse was going to ask this question. I wish I would have thought of the, looked up the scripture, but you know, it's the scripture where your children are like arrows in your quill is that the is that the arrows proper? in your quiver i think yeah, quiver. yeah. It's not quill thank you yeah um and um so i've been uh i don't know i've just been thinking a lot about my my kids and my parenting and i heard someone use the analogy you know they're not to be a crown for you they're to be you know arrows that you're to send out into the world for the lord and so I guess if there's an area that I've been thinking about, spiritually speaking, it's been that, you know, I, uh, not, uh, uh, and do I share that perspective, I guess, of, of raising my children that way. And so, um, and for whatever it's worth to make you feel better about yourself, Chelsea, um, even us guys sit around and think, man, our kids are going to need a lot of counseling when they get older. And, uh, but they, uh, you know, you know, Caitlin's turned out okay so far, but, um, uh, time will tell. So. (laughs) Well, send me your notes on your thinking about parenting, as long as the positive notes, Brent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The half full notes. (laughs) Yeah. Jesse's got a, Jesse, Jesse's giving me good advice too. So Jesse's, uh, Jesse's, uh, lived with me through my. I've known Brent for two and a half years now, and I've said three wise things to him. So four, I'm actually doing four. four. Are we at four? Oh, four. That's no, pretty so good. Jesse, on your wall. Yeah. Jesse gets offended because I'm like, like, this is the third. I, when I said that, I was like, this is the third thing that you, that like was big, like transformed my whole perspective on life. And so it's actually four now. The fourth one was basically your prayer uh, that you prayed for me, that you asked God to surprise us, and he did. So you've had four eternal life-changing moments for me. So you should be proud. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually pretty satisfied with that, honestly. That, that yeah. I feel pretty I'm, – I'm, I'm okay with that. I'll live with like that. I need some more Jesse life-changing. <laughs> four. There's been four that have, like – well, maybe if you stayed awake in church, Chelsea, you'd be able to hear it. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you ate breakfast, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you ate breakfast and listened to Jesse's. We should wrap this up. Um, uh, guys, thank you so much. Chelsea, thank you so much for joining us. Um, just a pleasure just visiting. I actually honestly forgot we were recording a podcast for a while there. I know. Yeah. So uh, I appreciate that. In, in my mind, that's a sign of a good conversation. So I, I appreciate that. Brent, thank you. Thank um, you, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, the irony of having a conversation about being physically present um, through Zoom, I think that that irony is strong. Um, but Thanks. I sure appreciate you guys doing it anyway. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about how we're going to deal with how awkward handshakes feel now and how we're going to conquer that. Uh, I still don't have an answer for that, um, but we're, I think we're out of time. So uh, thank you guys. Uh, if you're if you are listening, we appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Of course, if you have any questions. Uh, scripture you'd like us to discuss, whatever, please email it to us. We'd love to hear about yep. that. Um, just info at daybreakvermont.org. And, um, and we'll get to those um, as they come through. Happy episode 10. Um, the, the surprise episode. 
Um, thank you, Chelsea. Thank you, Brent. And uh, thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>